We're going to read from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In my late teens, I decided to do something that some of you may have done. I decided I was going to read the Bible through from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. And people said, oh yeah, you'll drop out when you get to Leviticus. Well, I don't know what it says about me, I thought Leviticus was fascinating. Numbers was a bit more difficult. And the book that really got me stuck was Judges. It's so brutal and bloodthirsty. I I really struggled with trying to understand that. But I worked my way through and Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. I don't think to to today I still understand Ezekiel. But still, I keep trying to learn. And got into the Gospels. That was all very familiar stuff because I've been going to Sunday school for years. And into Paul's letters. And suddenly, I hit... Ephesians 3 and the second half of the chapter. And I was just totally blown away. This is surely the most incredible prayer in the whole of the Bible. I'm thinking, why have I never heard it before? Why have I never seen it? If you prayed for this and God answered this, you wouldn't need to pray for anything else. It's just so amazing about the love of God. The love that surpasses knowledge. There's a contradiction right at the beginning. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? Well, you just know more and more of something that goes on forever. Fantastic. I used it for uh, many years as a personal prayer. The prayer that we might know, experience, and be filled with and live the amazing love of God. Down through history, when people have invented religions, generally speaking, they've invented angry, rather nasty gods. There are a couple of reasons, I think, for this. One is, of course, if you invent a religion like that, it puts a lot of power in the hands of the priests, the people who run the religion. Because, you know, you don't do what I say, God is going to zap you. And also, it's our experience, isn't it? More often than not, when somebody's put into a position of power and authority, they don't behave terribly well. You're more likely to be afraid of them than to love them. And we create gods in our own image. And this has been the picture down through the centuries. The idea of a God who loves us was absolutely radical and revolutionary, and we lose that because we've sort of grown up with it. 
Even today, when people think of God, many think, think of an angry, judgmental God. There's a famous cartoon by a guy called Gary Larson from Farside. You can find it on uh, the internet. And it's called God at His Computer. And there's a picture of God is sat up in heaven. He's a, a, a usual kind of caricature, you know, old man with long white hair and a white beard. And he sat in front of a computer. And on the computer screen is a scene on earth. And it's a street. And a, a piano is being hoisted up on ropes into a, an upstairs room. And just walking along the street that time, and right under the piano is a man. Who doesn't see it there? And you look at God's computer keyboard, and God's finger is poised over a button that says, Smite. And you can see what the cartoonist is getting at. What God does is horrible things to people. And this is not an uncommon feeling. And you can understand it. There are terrible things happening in our world. But that's the kind of picture that people have of God. Now, of course, God is a God of judgment, because the other extreme is to say, oh, God's just some nice, cuddly old person, and he just says, there, there, it doesn't matter. No. Love and judgment go together. If God looked down at the world and saw the suffering, the hurt, the sin, the awful things that happened, and just said, there, there, it doesn't matter, that would not be love. That would be a very sick God indeed. No, God acts in judgment because he is a God of love. After Israel was defeated by the Babylonians and Jerusalem was destroyed, somebody, possibly the prophet Jeremiah, wrote the book that we call Lamentations. And he tries to explain, well, why did this happen? And he says, well, it was our fault. This is a judgment on us because of our actions. Israel behaved badly, made wrong political alliances, did all sorts of things. We brought this judgment on ourselves. And then he says, it's the Babylonians' fault. They had determined they were going to have a world empire. They didn't care what it cost. They were cruel. They were prepared to do anything. It's the Babylonians have brought judgment on us. And then he says, it is God who has brought judgment on us. And the whole thing changes because he says, therefore, we have hope because God is a God of love. Listen to the words that he wrote. He's talking about the bitterness and the judgment of God. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young, to for, let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust, there may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For men are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion so great is his 
unfailing love. Even in judgment, even in the bad things that happen, the love of God is always there. It's not either or. God doesn't jump from one thing to another. God is always infinite love. Why is Mutley Baptist Church in the state that we're in at the moment? Well, it's because of the sin of society. It's because of all the different stuff that's going on in our country and our world around us. It's because of our sin. Every one of us has a personal part in the things that have happened and are happening. But it's also the judgment of God and therefore we have hope. And hope in a God who's able to do more than we could ever ask and imagine. So what do we do if that's the case? Well, we do what that prayer says. We ask God to strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell. The Greek word means to be totally at home in our hearts by faith. The two ways of expressing the same thing. We talk about Jesus living us. We talk about the Holy Spirit living in us. It's two ways of expressing the same thing. It's God indwelling us. And as I say, that word means being totally at home. You mean you can have people living with you that you aren't really at home with. And you're all polite and on your best behavior and all the rest of it. No, the Holy Spirit comes in and is part of every part of our life. There's no secrets. There's nowhere he is excluded. And Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us, is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. And we sort of look at that and think, Oh, yeah, well, we all know that, don't we? God is all-powerful. God can do anything. That's not surprising. But then you read the next line, and this is totally gobsmacking. He is able to do more than we can ask or imagine through his power, which is at work in us. Now, I believe in miracles. I've seen miracles happen. God sometimes works in a totally miraculous way outside of all human interference and and activity and does things that nobody could possibly do. But that isn't most of the time. Most of the time, God takes you and me. And perhaps this is a greater miracle and works his power through us. That's incredible. I'm just an ordinary messed up person. Oh, there's a few things I can do. Got a few skills and experience and stuff, but I'm no great person. That God should work through me. And probably most of us, unless we're incredibly arrogant, would think the same. How can God work through me? I'm just ordinary. I'm just normal. And yet God works through us. Do you know how I came to faith? Through an elderly lady who was standing in as a Sunday school teacher because the Sunday school teacher in this very small church was away and she was standing in. And she had no claims to anything, but she was prepared to challenge me about my faith. God uses anybody and everybody. But it only happens if we are rooted and established in love business about trees and roots and all the rest of it. 
God's love is the basis, the foundation of all our thinking and living. And it only, that can only happen if we're in it together. Self-love is not on its own a positive thing. Yes, we do need to love ourselves and not hate ourselves. But love is always about other people. We love one another. And Paul says, I want you to grasp this together with all the saints. As Christians together, we learn how wide, how deep, how high is the love of God and experience that love, the immensity of God's love, so that we become filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. It's all huge language, isn't it? Me, filled with the fullness of God. You, filled with the fullness of God. Wow. The Holy Spirit fills us. Christ fills us. God's love fills us and overflows from us. We may feel we're very inadequate to that. But then it isn't us. It's God's power at work within us. It's not our ability. How do we grasp more and more of God's love? Well, one is that we pray, as Paul is praying in his prayer in Ephesians. There are a number of ways you can use it. You might want to try it yourself in your prayers. Use the, the words of the prayer and put yourself in it. God, I pray that I will experience your love, that I will be filled to all your fullness. And then think of somebody else that you know that perhaps is struggling or needs to grow in their faith and put their name in it. I pray that so-and-so will grasp with all the saints the breadth, height, depth, length, width (coughs) of your love. And then maybe pray it for the church. I pray that Muttley Baptist Church together with all the saints, we'll be able to grasp the immensity of your love and be filled with all your fullness. Pray for it, ask for it, ask for more and more of God's love. There's nothing better that we can ask for. But also, you have to live it. John, in his letter, gives us a big clue on this. He says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. You want to experience the love of God, you do that by loving other people and being loved by other people. We've got to love our brothers and sisters in Christ as well as the world out there. And this is where the bad news comes in. We've got to love the people who annoy and upset us. Or you don't know anybody like that, you know. Or maybe there's a name pops into your brain. We've got to love people that have got overwhelming difficulties and struggles and, and stuff that's outside of our, our experience and we think, oh, let's leave them to get on with it. No, we've got to love them. We've got to love those who are not our sort of people. It's a wonderful thing about the church. In any church... You get a mix of people that would 
never come together in any other circumstances, but God brings them together because we have Christ in common. You've got to love those that are hard to love. And yes, love even more those that we find easier to love. And as we love one another, so we experience more and more, we grasp more and more the immensity of God's love. It has to be done in a practical way. You can't just do it as something intellectual. Yeah, we need to understand the Bible, we need to do our theology and all this kind of thing. But we also need to experience God's love and we do that by loving one another. And that love is not just a polite morning. How are you? Though you may need to start there. It's one of the terrifying things, isn't it, of talking to people. You say, how are you? And then they tell you. (laughs) But we've got to get to know each other. I'm not good at that. Do you know, I'm quite good at standing at the front. I'm not terribly good at one-to-one with people. That's not one of the things I find easy. We're all different, but we all work at the different things that we're not so good at. And then we pick up a commitment to pray. Now we can pray for everybody in the church. God bless the church. God bless the world. Um, But then God prompts us, and there are certain individuals, maybe friends, maybe family, neighbours, or maybe just sometimes out of the blue, and God says, I want you to pray for that person you've just been talking to every day for the next week. And then next Sunday, ask them how they are. That's part of it. And it's this commitment, we say, to get to know people. You can't love somebody very seriously if you know nothing at all about them. And then sometimes God will give us someone to encourage or support, or to help. Sometimes we do it without knowing. There have been all sorts of people who have said things to me that have been a huge help, and they probably never know what they've done for me. And it's the same with us, but we get into that habit of wanting to be encouraging, wanting to be supportive, and then sometimes God says, yeah, and get practically involved as well with that particular person. You can't do it for everybody. You can't... um, sort out the problems of the world or even all the problems that come to you. But God will point us out those people that we can. We experience, we grasp the hugeness, the impossible hugeness of the love of God by loving one another. So what does God want to do at Monthly Baptist Church? He wants to do more than we can ask or imagine. Just think for a moment. What do you imagine happening at Matley over the next year, the next 10 years, the next 150 years? The best things you can think of. God is able to do more and do it through us. In one sense, I'm not fussed whether pews are filled. But if pews being filled meant that lots of people are meeting with Jesus and finding faith and getting a new life, hey, wow, that's exciting. I want to see that happen. 
I want to see people in the community coming to faith. I want to see people I know that some of them been thinking about God for ages, but they never made that step. I want to see them come to faith. I want to see people who've never even thought about God come to faith. I want to imagine all sorts of things that God is going to do and break into people's lives and transform situations in a way that we cannot imagine because he's able to do more than we ask or imagine. There's a thing down through church history called revival. And you can't command it, despite what some organizations say, we're going to have a revival on Tuesday night. No, we're not. Revival comes when God sends it. But God does. Can you imagine revival coming to Plymouth? Hundreds, thousands of people coming to faith. God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. I don't know what that more will be. But I know that if it's going to happen, we've got to let him fill us with love. We've got to express that love in loving for one another, to love those around us, to love those who've hurt us, to love those who've left us, and to let that love overflow into the community where God has placed us so that more people can ima- than we can imagine can come to know Christ and live and grow in him. I want to read that passage once again, but this time to make it a prayer for us as a church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen Mutley Baptist Church with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that Mutley Baptist Church, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that Mutley Baptist Church may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us who make up Mutley Baptist Church to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.